Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to episode five of NBA Holes. My name is Joe Connors, and I am with my American co-host, Dave Hendrick. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Joe. Some confusion today on Twitter, where you thought it was episode six we were recording tonight. Yeah. Uh, I, the Phantom I, I, fifth episode. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was dead certain it was number six, but until we get on that app, it's a little harder to keep up with. And since Dave and I have a lot of conversations, I usually scroll back in there, but... I obviously fucked that up, so I apologize. But let's start with some Twitter questions. And I'm going to start with Marco Lopez again, because Marco, again, is a great Marco Lopez. Yes. If, if many, I mean, most people probably know Marco at this point, um, from doing the main show and many other pods on Anfield Index, taking a bit of a break right now. But again, I said it last time is a massive NBA fan from a different period and would still watch every game now, depending on. What he can get, he is a South African, so they don't always get although all the coverage, but I think that will change soon. But he has a great question, and it's he wants to know great players whose numbers fully didn't reflect their greatness. So basically, he, could, he said you can do it in current players or past ones. So guys that don't necessarily have big-time statistics, but were fantastic players. I'll let you take this one first, if you'd like. Um, okay, so there's a couple of reasons why this can be. Either they're largely defensive players or they suffer injuries. Um, mm-hmm. And the one I'm going to go with suffered some terrible injuries, and that's Grant Hill, it who is. I believe would have become one of the top five players to ever play in the NBA if it hadn't been for injuries. When he came into the league... Uh, with the Pistons, the talk was that this was the guy that Jordan would hand the torch to. Jordan had taken it from Bird and Magic, and he would hand it to Grant Hill, and Grant Hill would be the guy who'd carry the league forward. In all aspects, great play, two-way player, incredible defender, great offensive player. Um, his, his charm, his persona, his public 
uh, speaking, just a very well educated guy, went to, went to Georgetown, I believe. No, he went to, went to Duke, sorry, he's from, yeah, he's from, Duke. he's from Georgetown, kind yep, of area, area, but he went to Duke. Um, yeah, of course he went to Duke, he was on that incredible team with Leitner. Um, yep. just a phenomenal player, co-rookie of the year, all-rookie first team, I think he made seven all-NBA first teams and four second teams, let me just check that, that could be wrong. Uh, if not, it's so, damn close. Seven time so, yeah. All-Star. Once yeah. he was on the first, first team All-NBA and four times on the All-NBA second team. He had a great six year run. Then he went to Orlando and it was meant to be him and Tracy McGrady teaming up. And they, they would have, I think they would have been dominant as a two and three. Um, I think they would have been the best the NBA has had. Since Jordan and Pippen and Grand Hill got injured, Tracy got injured and just all fell apart. Um, for me, watching old highlights of Grand Hill, he was, he was just incredible. He was, he was very similar stylistically to LeBron yeah. in terms of that kind of point forward, uh, point forward, like almost like a, a point wing, um, just could, could handle the ball, pass, play defense. You know, he was great at running off the ball, great finisher at the hole, always, always went for contact, trying to draw fouls, get to the free throw line. Just a fundamentally great player. Not a great outside shooter, but I think that's the era he played. And the same with Jordan. If they'd played now, that's something they would have developed. Um, but again, like we, we talked with this last week, Joe, this, you know, about guys staying in college, uh, Grand Hill stayed in college all four years. And, um, you know, I just, he, for me, he's one of the great what ifs of the NBA because I honestly think he'd have been a worst top, top 10 ever, but potentially top five ever. Yeah. And the funny thing about Grant Hill is that a lot of people truly believe to this day, if he hadn't, and this sounds crazy, but if you're a basketball player, you know, your shoes and your feet are your whole game. And he, if you remember, he picked Fila. Yeah. And, they don't have a good basketball name, and a lot of people attribute it to the Because remember, he was never injured in college. Never. Never had injury problems. And then he, he got a lucrative deal, and he could have got lucrative deals other way with Nike or uh, some other big uh, shoe company. He picked Fila, and then his career kind of – as good of a career as a fantastic career as he had. Like you said, he missed so much time to injuries. He missed seasons, mm. not just you know not just weeks or months. So – that's a great choice, and I, I thought about it, and I'll ask you for your your throwback one, too. And I thought about a couple different throwback ones. Um, I thought about Sidney Moncrief, who was a fantastic player for the Bucks and the Hawks uh, in the 80s. And, That's a great shot. And, and his, you know, his knees just, it's a shame, just gave out. I thought about the Boston Strangler, um, Andrew Toney on my Sixers, who, again, was a fa- a fabulous player on great teams, but just injuries gave out. But I, I had to go non-injury, and I went with a guy. My old pick was Michael Cooper. Oh, Michael Cooper yes. was just a phenomenal defensive MVP for them Showtime Lakers teams, mm-hmm. and you know Mike, he would be the shutdown defender on a team nowadays. He was overlooked. I mean, I could have went with Byron Scott here, but Byron Scott was more of a scorer more of a glue guy. Michael Cooper would just stifle the best offensive players in the game. The Tony Allen of his time. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, he could contribute on the offensive mm. end. He, like, he wasn't just a guy who would D up on a Julia Serving or a, or a Larry Bird. He could D up on those players, but he could score on them. He'd run the floor. He'd hit an open jump shot. That, Mark, me and Marco had a conversation about, um, who he thought could compete with the Warriors. And I thought, he, he said Michael Jordan's Bulls. And I said, I, I disagree. I think that Lakers squad would be more set up to challenge the Lakers, uh, the, this Warriors team. I don't know how you feel about that, but. No, I, I actually think the, I think the Bulls team would have beaten this Lakers team or this Warriors team personally. Uh, I just think they'd be too good defensively. Scotty think- guard, Scotty guards KD. Michael guards Clay. Or Steph. Or Steph. Ron Harper guards the other. Ron Harper, people forget. Yeah, fantastic. Ron Harper, really incredible was. player. And Ron Harper is another one that belongs in this discussion. Doesn't have the numbers. That guy has five rings. Yeah, yeah, he does. He well, was, what about, well, let me ask you, what if, what if the rules were today's rules and not Jordan's 96 teams? It, well, see, here's the thing. If those Bulls players were in their prime now and had developed in this era, they would have become three point shooters. They wouldn't be as good as, the the Warriors, but look look at the look at the Cavs team that beat them last year. They they did it with three point shooting off the bench, been a key thing. Steve yeah. Kerr, incredible, one of the best three point shooters ever. Judd Bushler, one of the best three point shooters ever. They yeah. had those guys coming off the bench. Ron Harper was a good spot up shooter. You know, with Michael, Michael would have developed the three. So would Scotty. Um, the, the big matchup there would have been. Draymond, who becomes the de facto ball handler when Steph is getting beaten out of games. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, I put Dennis Rodman on him. And now, that's now what's he going to do? And Dennis yeah. Rodman is owning the offensive boards in that game. Yeah. And he's another person you can put in the underrated because if people yeah. just, you know, a guy who doesn't score doesn't mean he doesn't contribute. Um, a lot of parallels with the NBA and, and soccer slash football, well, if it, you really break it down. Exactly. And here's, guys who are not appreciated. And another guy, Tony Kukoc. Oh yeah, fantastic, fantastic player. Fantastic player. Was- and you're telling me he wasn't going to be, he wouldn't be able to shoot the three in this game? Of course he would. Yeah, he and, definitely. And the, the Warriors have no one to guard him where they're not leaving Scotty or Michael open. They don't have that guy to guard him. Maybe Draymond does it and they switch things around. But if Draymond does it, then he's stepping out to the three point line and Rodman is just dominating everybody inside on the boards. Yeah. And oh, the, absolutely. the Bulls are just cleaning up. So for me, I think that Bulls team beat this Warriors team. I think yeah. the Lakers beat the Warriors team. Yeah, I, did I think too. The Sha- I think the Shaq and Kobe Lakers beat them. And I think the Bird. Yeah, I see that. I think the Bird Mikhail Parish team absolutely pummeled them off the floor. Yeah, again, because who is stopping solid. Kevin McHale? Yeah, again, he. Uh, we could go. Uh, one of the guys I want. Yeah, nobody's going to stop Kevin McHale or or Parish on that team because they're not built that way on Golden State's team. But there is another guy I want to talk about, and people, are, and you're probably going to laugh at me because he, you know, he won three NBA MVPs. But it's it's a weird thing why Moses Malone doesn't mm. get talked about enough, and I don't know if that's because of the Wilt Chamberlains. Um. You know, the Kareem's, the yeah, Shaq. He kind of was in between the eras. Like Moses' Ever- great era was be- yeah. Moses' best years were between the era of Russell and, and That's right. Chamberlain and when Kareem oh, sorry, and when Kareem really like not no sorry, when Kareem was dominant, that was Moses' era. 
Yeah. So he just gets overlooked. And then you had like Elijah Wan and Ewing came into the league. Oh, sure. Yeah. And of course, if we're talking centers, another guy often overlooked and, you know, again, it's because of injury, but Bill Walton. Oh, it was fan. Remember how great of a college player yeah. he was. And you, you know, and if you, if you go on that route, you, you stay with the Portland Trailblazers, Arvidas Sabonis. Yeah, that was, uh, and remember, he came over way late in his yeah, career. Yeah, 38. Yeah, 38 out of shape, smoking, smoking at every half. Drinking, didn't care, but he <laughs> could, the, arguably the greatest passing big man ever. Yeah, could um, see the floor like no other. Yeah, like people really think could. Jokic is something special. They should have seen this guy play. And, yeah. and one European guy I want to give a shout out to, uh, my favorite player to watch ever, Drazen Petrovic. Yeah, it's a shame. Such and, a sad story. Yeah, and the numbers just don't reflect how great he was. He was one of, one of, if not the greatest player ever in Europe. Came to the NBA, went to Portland. That was the Portland team that were challenging for titles. He just couldn't get game time. Mm-hmm. Gets traded to the to the New Jersey Nets as they were at the time, and becomes a star. And then dies in a car crash in Germany, just um, off during the off season. And he was incredible and. Reggie Miller says he's the greatest shooter he's ever seen. And people like Reggie Miller and Steve Smith and the two guards of that era have said that after Michael, Petrovic was the hardest guy to guard because he was, he was basically Steph Curry, but bigger. You know, he was like a six, five, six, six version of Steph Curry could be the primary ball handler, but you know, had all these point guard moves, but could score relentlessly. Great range and a shot, and you know, there's there's a lot of other guys we could we could go through um, that are just now, so underappreciated. Give me so we talked about some older guys. Give me some guys playing now. Who do you think are underappreciated? Because I I think I'll go first, and a lot of people are going to go, "You're out of your mind, you're crazy." But I don't, th- and I, it's more of an angle of I don't think people appreciate him enough because he's different, because he's kind of quiet. But Kevin Durant. Hmm. Is one of the best players to ever play basketball. And he just goes about his business. He doesn't run his mouth. He's a quiet guy. He's a nor, he's a, as normal human being as you could possibly find in the NBA. And he's, he's seven foot tall. And I just don't think he gets the credit. I, I know he went to Golden State, won a championship, but you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. No. He, people no. think he went there and he, it was just all oh, it was given to him. It, it's not. It was more pressure to join that team yeah. and win it than to stay on Oklahoma City. So he's he would be my pick for modern day. I'm I'm not sure, but if, I know we both agree Ginobili. Oh, yeah, always. He he was he was my guy. It was Ginobili. Um, just incredible. Like more talented than Parker, more talented than any two guard the Spurs have ever had, but sacrificed to play the sixth man role for team chemistry and just for the fit. Um, you know, you look, the guy won five rings. He goes down as one of the greatest ever, but there's a lot of people that don't understand how, how good Tim Duncan is or him, how good he was. Yeah. Because he was point. like the boring superstar, but he's the greatest power forward ever. Easy. Um, yeah. Not even close. The, you know, the guy I think now, there's probably two. The first one, is the guy who sacrificed the most to enable Kevin Durant to fit in in Golden State, and that's Clay Thompson. Yeah. Who, on any other team, would be averaging 28 points a night. Um, if he played in the East, he'd, 
he'd arguably be the second or third best player in the East. Uh, he's the fourth best player in his current team. Um, crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy how good he is. I think, I think he leaves Golden State as a free agent. I, I hope he ends up somewhere like Boston because I think he'd fit perfectly into. No, we don't want do. him. Well, you we don't, don't want him there, but I, don't I, I want him out of the West. Me too. Um, yeah, we, we, he we does can't fit get there. Him, so. No, I, I would love to get him. I think the Sixers could get him, but you're right. He does fit. Well, yeah, I mean, because you're now setting that style up with JJ Redick. And That's right. Yeah. Clay is JJ Redick turned up to but, 11, so. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, he's a um, much better player. And the other one is a guy who's kind of retired, but not really retired, but we don't really know what's happening is Chris Bosch. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, we talk about guys who sacrifice. This guy was arguably one of the top two or three power forwards in the league with Toronto. Went to Miami with, with Wade and LeBron and, and got absolutely, you know, dogs abuse for years mm-hmm. that he was riding their coattails. But in actual fact, it was his sacrifice, his willingness to play the five and his incredible defense that was the backbone of those teams. Uh, that won two titles and went to two of the finals. So, for me, Chris Bosch lands in this conversation. Okay, and uh, and and at JP twenty three X also asked that same as that question. So I don't want to don't want to leave anybody out. Um, a lot of people that we already asked uh, some uh, Damien uh, at I think it's Flow Flow Day. It's hard to see. Um, asked the asked the Golden State question. Is there anyone who can come close to it? We kind of already answered that. Mm. Um, I, I just don't see at the moment how anybody could come to them. At the moment, no. Um, Unless the Wolves yeah, can find a way to get Kyrie without giving up Wiggins, no one's that's coming close. Yeah, that's a little different. Um, maybe next year because the NBA is such a fluid situation, mm. possibly. Um, I do. Cuzzy actually asked us a question. Joseph Cousins, uh, explain the thinking behind the name of the show. Um, that's pretty simple. Uh, we both got that from. Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons was going to call one of his podcasts when he was with ESPN NBA holes. ESPN, who don't allow anyone to have any fun, said no. <laughs> um, the uh, the worldwide leader, worldwide leader in sports just not not interested in the fun. Uh, whereas over here at Anfield Index, the, the paymaster himself, Mister Gags Tandon, uh, is happy to let us do what we want. Yeah, as, as long as he doesn't great. have any hassle. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, as long um, as we're not slating anybody yeah, or doing anything so, disgusting. Given but it, we're probably the two biggest assholes on the Anfield Index. No, there's no question. It's, I'll it, put myself number one there. Armando's probably the only one <laughs> who'd, yeah, who'd be able to shout. He won't mind me saying that. No, um, he he can be a dickhead. He, but yeah. I love the guy, but he can be. But he's funny about it. So exactly, and he knows. If, he knows. Yeah, if um, people can't take humor, then that's their fault. So, yeah, and uh, the um, other one will be Brundish. Like, Brundish knows he can be yes. an asshole as well. So, yep. But he yeah, does it to wind people up too. So, yes, um, he does. He gives no fucks, none and, at all. And everybody else in AI is just actually lovely. Like, they're all really nice. So. Yeah, it's funny. The way it's, it really is. There's it's not just really... the four of us on an island and me and Joe on top of the tower. Yes, yeah. I, I, I have said some nasty things on Twitter, so we won't, we won't go there, but... Um, the second part of Joe's question I like because it's basically asking us about our teams, which I love that. he. I'll answer mine first because he's asking, will the Wolves or the Sixers reach the playoffs? And I, I'm going to answer mine real easy. I think the Sixers make the playoffs two reasons. Um, the East is garbage. There's not a whole lot of competition. And they just got everybody – if everybody stays healthy, I'll say that. And I hate – it's so stupid. It's 
it's a cliche, but with my team, it, it's you can underline it a thousand times. If they stay healthy, to me, they're a seventh or an eighth seed, no higher at the moment. Young players don't walk into the NBA and, unless they're LeBron James and just dominate. It just doesn't happen. Um, but I do think they make the playoffs. And again, that big reason of that is the East. So what do you think about the Wolves? Um, well, just to, on your Sixers, I think one of the underrated signings of the summer, even though you're overpaying him for his one-year contract, is J.J. Redick. Yeah, and I think I agree. he's going to bring a lot of veteran leadership, and he's obviously one of the, the best shooters in the league. He's exactly what you need. He's going to be, I think he's going to be brilliant for you. So do I. Uh, and he's an underrated defensive player, especially in a team scheme. So Brett Brown will be able to, be able to craft things that will just keep, keep everything working nicely. Um, yeah, you're going to make the playoffs, I think, seventh or eighth seed, like you say, but it all depends on Joel and Ben. I think we're going to make the playoffs. Um, I'd, I'd actually be stunned if we don't. Um, there's, the thing is, like, the East is garbage. There's one really good team in the East, a couple of good teams, and the rest are either mediocre or crap. Um, in the West, there's one great team, a couple of really good teams, a couple of very good teams, and then, that's it. There's like seven teams, and then everything else is a crapshoot after that. Um, I think we'll see a couple of teams that have been in the playoffs drop. I think Dallas will continue to fall a little bit, um, you know, towards the the bottom of the league. I know they were low last year, but I think that would be even worse this year, just as Dirk ages and they, they figure out how to become Dennis Smith's team. Um, I think, I think the Clippers might struggle because, um. Yeah, I think they will too. I just, I just don't think you load up around Blake. I just think they made a mistake. Um, I, I think the Wolves will make the playoffs. And I think we could be, I think we could get a home court advantage in the first round. I think we could get that four seed. Um, yeah, I actually do as well. You know, I think, I th- I think they can actually go higher than that if things work out. If things they- work out, if Wiggins and Towns take, take jumps forward defensively, I think yeah, we could aim at key. that third seed. Mm-hmm. I thought we might get the third seed originally, but, I'm just kind of looking at OKC and thinking that might be a tricky one because they, they've done really well this offseason. I think Houston will take a bit of a step back this year as well just because they're going to take the ball out of James Harden's hands and yeah. I just think it's a mistake. I love Chris Paul, but I don't think Chris Paul has the same effect on those guys as James Harden did. Now, James Harden did. Now, it all depends on Mello if they can land him. Um... It's interesting. The West is going to be really good this year. Um, really, really good. But I, I definitely, the Wolves are definitely making the playoffs. Unless some sort of disaster strikes, uh, the Wolves are making the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm going to say they're going to be a, thir- a three seed with the potential. Like you said, if they play defense, because they have a defensive coach, if they play defense like Thibodeau would want them to, I think they have an outside shot at two because the scoring is there. It's going to be there. Yeah. It's just all about the defense because they're going to score. That team has got a lot, a lot of scoring talent. Mm. But um, next question will probably be pretty easy. Uh, this is from Biggie at Manila Scouser, who was a fellow Filipino. Um, just noting I am not Filipino, but I am married to one. Um, his question is, who do you guys think, if anybody, will become somewhat of a franchise player or perhaps just an all-star who was drafted this year towards the late round onwards? Of this year's draft. Of this year's draft. So Ooh. we'll basically take out I, – I don't even want to use Donovan Mitchell because he's the 13th pick. 
So yeah, I they, look... get, they get the lottery team. So the top, the bottom four, no, the top fourteen picks. Okay, so I looked at it, and it's it's really difficult. Um, I do like. His, I know he's an Oklahoma City fan, and I do like Terrence Ferguson mm. because he's a really good shooter. So if he develops, but I don't know if you can say All Star because I don't know what else he does. The one guy that I'll say, and, and he has to get healthy. And I don't know if he's even the same player as he was touted in high school, but that's yeah. Harry Giles. Yeah, for sure. He's the only guy that I'm looking through this list that I can think of. He wanted Portland, so he's going to get playing time as well. The only guy off the top of my head, I looked at the second round too, and there's some players in there. But if you're talking an impact all-star, which, you know, that's a high praise. That's not just a starter. If he had worded it differently, maybe we answer this question a little different. But Harry Giles is the only guy. I could think of, and I'm not even confident in really saying that. Yeah, it's all about the health with him. I mean, he, he was he was the guy in high school. He was the best player in the country. He came back from one torn ACL. You know, Duke, Duke were so were thrilled to get him because everybody was after him. You know, yeah. Um, and and Duke got him, and then he tore his ACL again before he even got to campus. And he just never really got to play a whole lot while he was in, in college. And I, I don't think he should have come out, but I know, I understand why he did. I, I don't have a problem with him coming out because if he stays and gets injured again, that's him done. Come out, make what money you can. And if, if it all goes to, to hell, it all goes to hell, but at least you'll make some money. Um, he's, he's an incredible talent. Um, and given he's on a, a team that doesn't have a franchise player, and given they don't have an all-star, there is a possibility he'll get big minutes and really be able to contribute a lot. Mm-hmm. Beyond him, for similar reasons, he's gone to a team that is pretty poor, doesn't have an all-star, doesn't have a franchise player. Is the guy who went above him in the draft and John Collins. Yeah. Now, he's not going to be a, like a franchise player long-term. But if he, it, they're looking to tank. They want to tank next year. He's going to get a lot of minutes and he's got a lot of talent. So potentially him, um, but yeah, Giles is the only one really that you kind of think has a real chance. Yeah. And, and like, like I said, there's talent in the second round, but like a guy like Frank Jackson, how much playing time does he get? Semi Ojeley, like he's not going to get a lot of playing time in Boston. No. Um, you know, it's, so it's tough. Ivan so, Rab, talented yeah. guy going to Memphis, and he'll be a really good fit in Memphis. But you know, yeah, it's just it's, it takes time. You know, it, it takes it takes time, especially for big men, because it's it's such an adjustment. But all right, um, we got two more. I'm gonna I, the my favorite. I'll save for the last. But this one's from Mitch Move at Noblo 2013. It's a good question. He asked. What do you think the NBA will do to increase competitiveness, if anything, to stop the plummeting playoff revenues? And if nothing is done, how does this affect the NBA going forwards in terms of salary cap and future CBAs? It's a great question. It is a great question. The The answer is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard it, to answer. It is. like The NBA is cyclical. It, it, it goes in cycles. We, we've had this before. Um, where there's been massive disparity between the conferences. You go back to 20 years ago, and the East was an absolute monster, mm-hmm. and the West wasn't very good. There was one good, there'd be one good team in the West each year. It might be 
uh, might be Portland or then it was Seattle or Phoenix or whatever, but there was never a consistently, you know, uh, ba- a consistent battle in, in the West, whereas the East was just an animal. But you had the Bulls, the Magic, the Knicks, the, the Pistons, the Pacers, you know, you had your Sixers were kind of up and down, but mm-hmm. once they got AI, they took off. So it is, it's, it's, it's difficult to know. I'm, Adam Silver is a very, very intelligent guy. And I think he's done a great job so far. So I'm sure he does have a number of ideas and potential contingency plans. But I mean, at the end of the day, the ratings don't matter to them because they're locked into their contracts. Yeah. These guys make a ass load of money. Yeah. And the salary cap's never going to drop because the players just won't allow it. They won't negotiate that. So no. They're protected under the okay, current CBA. And everybody's like, look, ratings are not. Everybody is making more money than they've ever made before. Um, the league now, the average salary is about $6 million. When David Stern took over, the average salary was something around $300,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a lot. As much as people hate him, he did a lot he for the game. Incredible. He made it a global game. He's the one, that, he, he's the yeah. one who was behind the idea of the Dream Team. Yep. Or one of the people, anyway. He's the one that helped get Jordan on board. Um, a they, lot of people need to realize too, like you, you said it right, perfectly there. How, how global the game of basketball truly is. I mean, China, hmm. all the India, all the big countries, England. You know, what I mean, yeah. like a sport. Well, you know, just, just to give an idea, Joe. Let's look at this year's draft. Right, we had a Finnish player, a French player, an Israeli, yeah. a, uh, an English guy. A Latvian, uh, an Aussie, uh, a, a guy from Greece, a German, a Canadian, a Slovenian, another French guy, a guy from Bulgaria, a guy from Serbia, and another French guy. This, and like, like you say, the, uh, basketball is huge in China. Like, there's, and there's a lot of money been put into basketball in China. And, yeah, they just can't get enough of it. They yeah, Jimmer Fredetta's over there, and he's like, he is. he's like a god <laughs> over there. And I'm delighted for him, because I thought he got a horrible kind of go at the NBA. He was an incredible college basketball player. He was. Um, he was picked far too high by a very stupid owner in Sacramento. Yep. And they just didn't know what they were doing. He He's a guy that should have gone late first round, early second round gone mm-hmm. to a team like the Spurs and been developed into like a Paddy Mills type role. Yeah. And that's probably the role for him in the NBA. But, you know, he was cast into the spotlight as a as a lottery pick. Oh, you're going to be a star kid. And he just, it's not what he was. That's not the level he yeah. had. He was never going to be that player. No. So, and as far as competitiveness, um, it's really difficult because the way the NBA draft lottery works is, you know, you got all these teams tanking or they're just playing bad, but you're, relying on lottery balls so just because you're the worst record in the league doesn't mean you get the number one pick and that goes along with that is dave and i have talked about this before a lot of these drafts are only one one franchise player drafts so if you get number two you might get a guy who's a good player but he's not going to change your franchise it's set up that way and that's the one criticism that it's hard for the nba to get away from now maybe that'll change Right now, it's not going to. Yeah, every, That's the system. It's like every third year, maybe, you get two franchise, potential franchise players. Like, look, Wiggins is the only franchise guy from his draft class. 
Oh, yeah, not even close. Um, you might have said Jabari had the potential, but he's now wrecked both knees, so that's yeah. that done. The year before that was Bennett. He, nobody in that, like the best player in that draft is is probably... Whew, I don't What's even that, the know. The 14 draft? Otto Porter, maybe? Yeah, that's that's bad. You know, that's bad best, when he's the best, best player. player in that draft. But the the Carl Anthony Towns draft, there's well, actually, no. In fairness, the Wiggins draft also contained Embiid, but Embiid is a big question mark because of the injuries. But the Towns draft had Towns. People thought Okafor was a potential franchise player. Yeah, people thought yeah. people thought Russell was a potential franchise player. But the guy who it turns out is the other franchise player in that draft is Kristaps Porzingis. Yes, but who is Latvian? Yeah, that's it, and it's it's but it's rare that you know you've got two guys that are three years in, and you're looking at them going, those two are going to be two of the best fifteen players in the league from one draft. It just it doesn't happen all that often. You do get some years, like the, the draft that had um, wasn't it John Wall and Boogie was in the same draft, and then yep. the, year, the year before that you had Steph Blake, I think. Steph, Blake, and James Harden were all in the one draft, I think, in 09. Uh, it was 09. Sounds right. Yeah, that was the 09 class. That was Draymond, Kevin Durant. Lebr- uh, not Kevin Durant. That was... Um, Blake Griffin. So Blake the, Griffin. But yeah, again, yeah. like you look at that, pick. that draft. Hashim Tabit, the guy who went second, not even in the league. Tyreek Evans uh, plays for Memphis now. He'll be coming off the bench. Johnny Flynn went sixth, not in the league. Jordan Hill went eighth, not in the league. Brandon Jennings went tenth, barely in the league. Yeah, um, the only other great player in that was that was the James Harden too, right? Yeah, so he, Bl- Blake, James Harden, Ricky Rubio, Steph Curry, yeah. and DeMar DeRozan, and Drew Holiday and Jeff Teague were also in that draft. They so were. That, that's a strong, strong draft class. But at the same time, there's a lot of guys that were in that draft class, and there were high picks that. It they just they never panned out for different reasons, you know, their Yeah. Their attitude, their determination, their dedication, you know, it the draft it's a lottery so and then variables. it's a crapshoot as well, you know? Yeah, it really is. Um Alright, let's move on to our last question. This is this is a really good one from Ricardinho eleven, Rick, who um has been sending us a lot of uh, Twitter questions and he says if you could transport a past player at their peak to a current NBA team to compete with Golden State, who would you pick? And it can't be Michael Jordan. Who would I pick? It can't be Michael Jordan. Yes. Well, so to do be you completely stick- honest, the guy I would pick is the guy we're going to talk about later. Oh, there's two guys I'd potentially pick. Okay. Either the guy we're going to talk about later tonight on the show, Hakeem Olajuwon, mm-hmm. and I'd bump Towns down to the four and just try and, you know, dominate them with two elite bigs who are incredibly skilled, can play inside and outside. Plus then I've got Wiggins and, and Butler as my wings. Yeah. Um, oh, the other one is Barkley. Yeah, I thought just about... Just because I love Charles Barkley. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a great player. I tried to think of... So I'm a LeBron James fan as a player as a person i just think he's a giant baby but yeah i i think that team with Kyrie, kevin love and i was trying to think of another player to put on there and at first i thought shooter i'm like well reggie miller would be great but i don't know if he'd make the difference there 
So you have to think uh, an inside guy. And my first thought was Shaq. Of course. And I just figured, is that too easy? Because they would shit all over Golden State, in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I, I said Shaq. I, I could totally see Elijah. And I tried to think. It was, we were thinking the same way, thinking of a dominant big man. Yeah. Um, because it, a lot of times when you get guards, like you could say Kobe, but they won't mix together. No. The, Kobe and Rom would be a nightmare. They would hate each other. They'd hate each other after one practice. So, like, you know, Shaq's used to playing that with another diva-like player and Kobe. That was my other thinking behind it. So stick him on Cleveland's team. Kevin Kevin Love just sits out there and shoots threes, doesn't even have to be underneath a basket. And then you have a guy who could not only block shots, so when, when those guys keep repeatedly getting beat off the dribble, he can clean up for them behind them, and he can dominate inside. So he was my logic pick on Cleveland that could beat them. So let's move on to another topic, which was basically – Dave and I have been wanting to talk about this for a while, and it's kind of relocating, reallocating franchises, however you want to word this, um, conference imbalance and scheduling. So we can do this two ways. I know Dave has a lot to say about this. I want to talk about scheduling for a little bit. So there's 82 games in a season, and it's an incredible amount. Uh, football players, I know it's a very physical sport, but what do they play? 40 tops? Uh, maybe 60 if it's a good Champions League year and stuff yeah. like that, Dave? So that's a lot. But even they'll only play 45 to 50 if the team plays 60. That's exactly right because of the rotation. And in the NBA, you don't really rotate that much unless you're playing a garbage team. And that does happen. Guys get rested more day, nowadays. Um, you can thank Greg Popovich for that, for just saying a big fuck you to the NBA, which I personally love. But 82 games, for me, I think is a bit much. It's kind of like the old baseball argument. Is 162 games too much? In my opinion, yes. yes it's yes. way too much. Now, now a- a guy 82 like, is far too many in hockey as well. It, it is. Now, a guy like Justin Wells or Armando will say, maybe not. Now, I don't know exactly. Maybe they, maybe they would agree with me. But now, here's the problem with it. Because every sport always comes back to money, the owners will never agree to it. But I think if you ju- if you cut the NBA season by just 10 games, it would make a massive difference in my opinion. So before we talk about conference imbalance, how do you feel about the scheduling? Do you think that too much games? Do you think they're okay? Um, I think there's too many games. What, travel? Um, too many games and there's definitely too much travel. The too much travel thing is largely because Americans don't know how directions work and don't know how to read a map. That's a true story. So you call places story. like Minneapolis the uh, Midwest, when it's not. It's in the no, east. It's... <laughs> east of the center of the country. Um, so there's definitely too many games. I would go to either 72 or 75, eliminate all back-to-backs, eliminate teams having to play four and five nights and all that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's good for the product. And I think there's a lot of bad basketball at the minute. There's a lot of bad teams and they tend to match up quite a lot. Um, there's at least, I would say, 10 bad teams in the East. Oh, yeah, probably, at least. There's probably eight, 
eight yeah, like nobody teams wants to in the see... West, and nobody wants to watch that. Like nobody no. wants to sit down and watch the Kings against the Suns or no. you know New York the... versus Brooklyn. Like yeah, nobody wants to see nobody, that. But garbage. that that's and, and you know that's the thing. That's the type of game that gets on TV because it's the Knicks or no, the yeah. Lakers. They've sucked for years. They're still on TV all the time. Yep. Um, no one name. wants to watch the Pacers against the Pistons. No one's ever wanted it. Even that when they were good, no one ever wants to watch that. But <laughs> a big part of the problem is the travel. Like, it's just, it's so much travel. You're talking about teams. Like, the, the Wolves, just a woe was me thing. Like, the division we're in. Like, how are we in that division? Like... It's it's absurd. It's ridiculous. The, the, we... Not in so, the West. So what do... And the other team is, 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 well, both the Pelicans and especially the Grizzlies. They're yeah. not in the West either. Like, I know the Grizzlies are in the West because... But Memphis is not. Because Vancouver was in the West and they yeah. just stayed in the West. But Memphis is not. Memphis is, is East. It's very yes. East. Very and East. Like, I, I, I still to this day don't know how the, the Pelicans like, I know there was a, there was, was, there was an expansion team. That's how they ended up, because they, they moved from Charlotte to New Orleans, and then Charlotte got their own team, so it was, they rebalanced it by shifting, um, shifting the Hornets across or whatever, but like, it just doesn't make sense. It's too much travel, it's too many games. Definitely 72 or 75. You can work both, that they work really well. But, the biggest thing, if you want to improve the quality of basketball, is do away with the divisions. Yeah, agreed. And, and do away with the current conferences and bunch teams that are in close vicinity to each other. And in theory, that makes a lot of sense. So we're basically working off the same article here. Mm. And the proposition is it's a Pacific, a Big West, a Southeast a lakes and an Atlantic. So it kind of sounds like a college basketball. Yeah. Like there is, there's a big West, there's an Atlantic, there's an ACC, stuff like that. And the way I don't remember who wrote this. I think it's Tom Ziller. Tom Ziller on, on SB nation. SB nation. One, one of the best basketball writers out there. Yeah. And it's broken down more time than Dave had me and have me and Dave had to talk about it, but he's basically doing what Dave is saying. So the Atlantic would be Toronto, Boston, New York, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Washington. Now, that makes complete sense because you play your division rivals more than anybody else. That cuts down on travel. It cuts down on costs for owners not having to pay for chartered flights all the time. Um, the lakes, you have the wolves. So I'm just going to go by cities so maybe people understand better. Minnesota, Milwaukee Bucks, Chicago, Indiana, Detroit, Cleveland. That's all in the same – so you, you get what I'm saying here. They're all in the same general area. It it just makes sense, and I, I don't know if the NBA would ever do it, but it would really save them money. And big corporations like this are always about saving money and making money. Yeah, I don't see the downfall in it. I don't. I'm not sure how you look at it, but I don't see any downfall with what he's proposing. So what he's proposed is that there's there's five conferences or regions, and the six teams in each region. Then what he's done is he's broken it down into two hubs of three teams each per region. So say the, we'll take the Lakes one because for, for the Wolves. So you've got the Wolves, the Bucks, the Bulls, the Pacers, the Pistons, the Cavs. The Wolves, the Bucks, and the Bulls is one hub. 
the Pacers, the Pistons, and the Cavs are the other. So what he says you would do, you would play the the two other teams in your hub five times each. So the Wolves would play the Bucks and the Bulls five times each. Then you play the other three teams in your division four times each. So they play the Pacers, the Pistons, and the Cavaliers four times each. Then they play the teams from two of the regions three times each. And mm-hmm. that rotates on a yearly basis as to which regions you play. And then you play the teams from the other regions twice each. Now, he's done it to a total of 82 games because, as Joe said, the owners won't agree to shorten the season until we get to the next TV deal and they try and negotiate it that way. Um, but what you could see there is, say, the, the Wolves would play the, the Bucks and the Bulls five times each, the Pacers, Pistons and Cavs... Um, four times each. Then they'd play, say for example, the teams in the Big West, which are Denver, Phoenix, OKC, the Spurs, the Mavs, and the Rockets, three times each. The same with um, the teams in the Pacific, which would be the Kings, the Blazers, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Jazz. They'd play each of them three times. And then the other two, they'd play twice each. That's the Raptors, the Celtics, the Knicks, the Nets, the Sixers, and the Wizards in the Atlantic. And the Southeast, which is the Heat, the Magic, the Pelicans, the Hornets, the Hawks, and the Grizzlies. So you can see that he's basically just cut the travel massively out of it. And I think he's made it quite balanced. And I actually think all of those, um, those regions are, are pretty well balanced. Like there's no one that has a bunch of crappy teams. They're all, and like, like, at the moment, the Lakes one will be quite imbalanced because the Cavs will just wipe the floor with everybody there. Um, but as the Wolves get better and the Bucks get better, they're going to be two good teams. The Pistons are, they're middling. And yeah. the Pacers and the Bulls are tanking. They're going to get better as they get good young players. Um, but like the Atlantic is strong. The Southeast is not strong, but all those teams are in the around. It's competitive. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all the kind of middle of the road teams. This, the big big West will be very strong. You've got the yeah. Mavs, the Spurs, or the, the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Thunder, and the Nuggets coming now. And then at the same with the Pacific, the Jazz are good. The Clippers will be okay. The Warriors are great. Obviously, the Blazers are good, and we know that the Kings are going to get better, and the Lakers are going to get better. So mm-hmm. I think it is. And he bear in mind he wrote this in 2014. So this, yeah, is, this is three years old. Yep, and it makes so much sense to me anyway. It, no, it really does. Again, for all the reasons we talked about. Um, if you, if you I, want to I just, find the full piece, just Google um, Tom Ziller, Z-I-L-L-E-R, how to fix NBA divisions, and you'll find this article will be the first one that pops up. And it is, it just makes, to me anyway, it makes so much sense. And that's uh, Z for normal people. That's Z-I-L-L-E-R. Sorry, I had to make fun of your Z. In, in, in the parts of America that I come from, it's a Z. Yeah. All right. The, and as always, we like to end with a legend we like to talk about. And Dave alluded to it earlier. What we're who we're talking about tonight, and that is one Hakeem Olajuwon, um, number one pick in the 1984 draft to the Houston Rockets. Uh, born in Nigeria, uh, at that time kind of unheard of. Has an amazing backstory. You know he. Played in Houston. If I'm, yeah, yeah, played at Houston Rockets, and he played for University of Houston. 
Yeah, and they won the – no, they lost in the championship. That was the uh, don't ever give up. Um, man, I'm drawing a blank here. The Feast Lama Yes, yeah, yeah. Again, and, there it is. Him and Clyde Draxler. Yeah, and it's, I love Dave's American. It's the five slam of but it's still amazing because he comes from a different part of America, like he said. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> he's obviously in the Basketball Hall of Fame, arguably the one of the best centers ever. Not arguably, is one of the best centers yeah. ever, nicknamed the Dream. Um, that was actually his college coach because he looked like a dream when he played. Nobody ever seen him. Nobody ever seen a big guy move like that. Seven foot tall. It's 260, 265 at least. Um, had moves and feet like a point guard. Uh, and again, a man who's enormous. So, Dave, tell me a little bit about Mr. Lajuan. Well, for me, the most skilled center of all time. I believe he's the greatest center of his era. And I include Shaq in that era. Me too. Um, an incredible defensive player after Russell, potentially the best defensive center ever. Um, you could run your offense through him. He was a great passer. Like you say, he had feet and moves like a point guard, developed an incredible array of post moves that are probably only beaten in the history of the game by Kevin McHale. Um, mm-hmm. A, an athletic freak of nature. Uh, I was watching an interview with Kevin McHale recently. And he was talking about playing against the early Houston Rockets when it was the Twin Towers, which was Elijah Wan, who actually played power forward, and Ralph Sampson, who was, I think, 7'3 or 7'4 and was one yeah, of the greatest college players ever. Monster, yeah. And he was saying, like, it was actually easier to score on Sampson than it was on Elijah Wan, because if you got the ball over Sampson, next thing Elijah Wan would just jump. And he just swapped the ball away and he said it was just so easy and graceful for him. Um, obviously he had an incredible career. He was picked ahead of Jordan in, in the draft, in the draft. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you do wonder if Houston, even though he won some titles, if Houston always kind of look at that and think, Oh, I wonder. But, um. Better than being Portland though, right? Well, that's Sam- it. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, because they had Clyde Drexler. As if Clyde Drexler couldn't have played small forward and basically become Scottie Pippen. Um, <laughs> but, what I will say about Hakeem is, Hakeem is the only guy I can think of to win multiple rings and not have a real, like, he had Clyde the second time, mm-hmm. but Clyde was pretty much done at that point. Clyde was had, I think, two more years after that, maybe one more year after that. But Clyde was on the verge of retirement at that point. Hakeem didn't have another superstar. You know, he really didn't. I mean, that was 94, 94 95. Um, when, when, when Jordan retired, obviously yep. there's, there's that asterisk beside those titles because if Jordan hadn't retired, you know, you kind of they, do, do feel yeah, that they, the Bulls might have won eight in a row, which would just have been yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, but look, Elijah Wan beat some great teams to win his rings, but he, he did it with a, you know, a supporting cast of Robert Ory who obviously had a fantastic career, won seven rings, but mm-hmm. wasn't a great player. Good shooter, very, but not a great very player. Very clutch. Clutch yeah, player. Yeah. A great player, yeah. Um, Vernon Maxwell, uh, a clutch player, a great defender, a lunatic, but yes. not a superstar. Kenny, Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell coming off the bench. And the Ken- ugliest man on the face of the earth. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Otis <laughs> Thorpe, wasn't he the power forward? Yeah, who was um, a very under... 
Very underrated player, solid defender, defender, great rebounder, good shot blocker. And Kenny Smith as the point guard, who, again, like a good player, but no, nowhere near Hall of Fame level. Like, there's nobody no. on that team going into the Hall of Fame other than Hakeem. And the next year, like I say, Clyde came along and they won the second title. But Clyde was very much on the downside of his career. Clyde's peak had come in, like, 91 92 with Portland yeah. when they lost in the finals to Jordan's Bulls and yep. some someone foolishly wrote an article saying it was uh, it would be the defining moment to find out who the best shooting guard in the league was and Jordan took it personally and absolutely demolished Clyde. <laughs> yes, um, he did. But Clyde, Clyde was fantastic. But like you know, he, and he just Hakeem, the great thing about Hakeem was he became a guy everybody wanted to play with because Barkley then went there, then Scotty went there. Yeah. Um, and you know. Elijah Wan just still to this day has a huge impact in the NBA because if if you're a big man and you want to learn how to play in the post, it's him you go to. Yeah, he holds the camps. That's where Joel yeah. and she taught Joel Embiid. Um, there's a pretty famous story about when Joel Embiid was learning how to play basketball. They saw you know another fellow African, not from Nigeria, but another fellow African, and he knew you know he knew how to play basketball, but they they gave him. DVDs of Akeem Olajuwon and said, play like this. Do mimic these, this guy's feet, mimic his footwork. And that's what he did. Yeah. Now he's nowhere near that level at the moment. Um, but you could see a lot of the same similarities in their game. For sure. You know, I mean, you can really the inside see inside outside game. That's definitely from. Oh yeah. No the, question. The, the weak side help on the, on, you know, on, on guys attacking the rim. That's a came all over. So he has taken a lot of that. Obviously, Embiid's a bigger guy as well. He's like physically he's yes, bigger, bigger he's than a, Elijah one. It's just, it's a re- oh. ridiculous how he's a monstrous man. It's <laughs> unbelievable. He's, yeah. But like, you know, there's so many guys have gone to work with, um, and even, even guys like Kobe went to work with Hakeem yeah. to learn how to play in the post. Um, I think the only one that did it and didn't actually improve in the post is Dwight Howard. Howard, um, yeah. But like, again, like, I just don't think Dwight Howard wants to listen to anybody because he, he played for Houston. He was working every day with Kevin McHale and he had Elijah Wan on speed dial and he just wouldn't listen. He never, he, he got worse in the post, if anything. Um, yeah, he was okay with being average player and that's what yeah, he been for his whole career. And he, that's what he was. But, you know, again, I mean, like you said, he, his two, his two championships, he beat Ewing's Knicks and Shaq's Magic. So swept Shaq's Magic. Swept them, yeah, destroyed them, and that people, people get, and that was the Penny Hardaway when Penny Hardaway was still really good. Mm. Another guy who injuries took his career, but you know, Olajuwon again, two-time champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP, um, regular season MVP in '94, twelve-time All-Star, six-time All NBA First Team, two-time NBA Defensive Player. I, I mean, what can a blocks leader, three times in the NBA, two-time rebounder? There was nothing. That man couldn't do. I mean, there was literally, and always did it with a smile on his face. Yeah. Seemed such a happy guy. I think my favorite Elijah Wan story though is Kenny Smith was telling this story because obviously they're, they played together for a long time. And when David Robinson won the finals, won, well, sorry, won the regular season MVP in 95, everybody thought Hakeem should have won it. But Robinson had had an incredible year. So Hakeem before the game, was like, because they were presenting it 
on the night of a playoff game between Houston and San Antonio in San Antonio. And Hakeem before the game was saying, oh, you know, he deserves it. He had a great year. I got mine last year. He deserves it, blah, blah, blah. He went out and put one of the all-time beatings on David Robinson. Yes, went, went like 45 and 25 or something insane. Absolutely murked him for the entire game. Walked back into the dressing room and began getting dressed without sharing. And Kenny says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to Robinson's house to get my MVP awards. <laughs> and that's, uh, it's, again, it's the stories like that which make the sport great. You know, it's the competition between the, and you, you do see it nowadays. It's just with social media, it, it's blown up even more. Like I know LeBron's getting a lot of shit from Steph Curry and the younger generation. I don't think they really like him, but, We'll end there, and I know you. I think you have podcasts coming up. Is there anything you want to plug? I'm doing loads of podcasts this coming weekend. I think I'm going to do three episodes of my own. Nice. Um, got some good good guests, Mark Roberts. You might know him as uh, Harry Welshy on Twitter. Um, I've got a guest coming on who is. I wouldn't say he's anti FSG or FSG out, but he's certainly very critical of them. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is. I haven't. I think I know who this is, but I won't say. Um, he's Because what I wanted was somebody who could actually come on and articulate their arguments. Not one yes. of these idiots who, you know, starts up Kickstarter funds to fly a plane. <laughs> not one of those fools. I wanted someone that could actually come on and have a conversation with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got a big audience. You can't have fools on. It's bad enough they have to listen to me. Um <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it's it's going to be fun, and I'm hoping to line up a third one as well. Um, I might might see what Kevin DeVries is doing, have a little chat about Spurs and how they're doing, and how the rest of the Premier League is doing this summer. Okay, cool. Um, um, we should have a USA pod. We recorded that last week. That'll be out probably maybe even tomorrow. And it was a bit, it was a bit different because everybody's sick and tired of transfers and all that stuff. Um, me, Kevin, Justin, actually picked American teams that we thought were the same sister or pairing of all the Premier League teams. So that's interesting if you're interested in other sports. Um, we still have the Flipbook pod, which Kalen, me and Kalen kind of host. He's more the host there than me. He does an unbelievable job um, on that. But again, I say to you guys all the time before the end of this show, there's nothing else you do in life. Nothing. Always do this. Always trust the process. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.